0: Back here on Radio Road, the NFL Combine, we're talking draft, Colts, NFL, going around the... Uh League a little bit, J.J. Stankovic, I'm Matt Taylor. Joining us now, Trevor Sakema, lead NFL draft analyst for Pro Football Focus. You're one of our favorites, my friend. Welcome back to Indianapolis. How I,
1: are you? I appreciate it. It's uh, it's great to do a show with you guys in person. You know, I feel like the chemistry and the vibes are always better when you get to do these kinds of shows with people in person. That's We're why all about vibes. I, look, it's a good vibe show. That's why I'm here, you know. So, uh, no, it's it, that's why Indianapolis is one of my favorite events. So it's great to be back.
0: All right, let's not beat around the bush. You've got your latest mock draft. I saw it last night uh, knowing that you were going to stop by here. You've got the Colts picking Tarion Arnold, cornerback out of Alabama. You're not the only one I've seen in terms of mock drafting that player to the Colts. Tell me why.
1: You know, Arnold is a fantastic overall prospect. I mean, he just brings so much athletic ability to the position. And um, him and his teammate, kool McKinstry, they were probably the best cornerback duo in the country this past season. And McKinstry, on the other side, you know, he had a lot of forced incompletions the year before. And so when people went into this year, they went, okay, we're not going to throw it at McKinstry as much because we know he's really great uh, when it comes to defending things, especially in press man coverage. So let's go after the other guy. The guy's a little bit younger, redshirt soft sophomore Teron Arnold doesn't have nearly as much experience Uh, they paid the price for that you know he had five interceptions this year he had a lot of forced incompletions himself and he was able to really showcase his abilities very early on it doesn't always happen with those redshirt sophomores but because of that situation that context they threw the ball at him a lot and he was able to showcase a lot of that stuff sometimes this dude is moving so well that it's like he's running the routes for the receivers now He's a little bit boom and bust about what he does. He likes to take chances. He likes to go for those interceptions, those takeaways, which some coaches really love, right? They love that mentality. And they say, "Okay, you do it a little too often. Let's tone it down a little bit. But I love where you're coming from. I love where your head's at. You're going for those best, those biggest plays. And I just feel like when you look at Arnold, he is not a perfect prospect yet. But all of what you would want from a CB1 caliber of a player is there from him, and that's why I think that uh, he's definitely going to end up being a first-round pick somewhere. Let's talk about Brock Bowers because you had him going 18 to the Bengals sure. in your latest
2: mock. Yep. And, you know, I think here there's a, there a lot of assumptions that if the Colts are picking 15 and a Bowers or, you know, one of those wide receivers somehow falls, that, the, you know, the Colts are going to be rushing to the podium to take that guy to pair him with Anthony Richardson. Mm-hmm. What about Bauer's skill set? Like, we, we just talked about this Daniel Jeremiah, that he's top 10 player, but probably will go in that, or could go in that 11 to 20 range. Right. What about him as a, a prospect? And maybe the history of that position in the NFL draft leads you to think he could slip down
1: to 18 with the Bengals. Yeah, I mean, he's he's one of the best tight ends that we have recorded in in PFS data era. I mean, three straight seasons, including his true freshman year, where he recorded an elite grade as a tight end. So, consistency, volume, you know, like, year after year, it's just all been there for him, especially when it comes to what he does in the passing game with the ball in his hand, everything like that. And so, I think when people look at what Brock Bowers has been to the University of Georgia and college football as a whole, uh, you think, okay, this guy has to be a top-ten pick. The way that he has changed college football for one of the best teams in the country has to be a top-ten pick. But There's some context when it comes to picking a tight end that high, as you guys mentioned. You know, the rookie wage scale is one of them. It's just something that you need to think about because if Brock Bowers gets drafted in the top 10 this year, he immediately becomes a top 10 paid tight end. And that's on a rookie wage scale that is already, you know, fixed to the position that you're drafted, not even the position that you're going into the league at. So that's something that you think about. But I think the more important thing, because I don't mind that nearly as much, you know, we saw from... The Detroit Lions last year, right? I think their draft was kind of scrutinized on draft weekend. Is like, ah, you know, you're taking you a know, running back pretty high, you're taking a tight end and off-ball linebacker, but they just proved to be good football players, and they helped them, you know, get all the way to an NFC championship game. And so if they're the right guy for your team, then you can kind of look past that stuff. But you got to think about that. And I think that the, the, the element of Brock Bauer's scouting report that really means the most is – the measurables, and we're going to get those official measure- measurables here in Indianapolis because George's got him listed at six foot four, two hundred and forty pounds. Okay, we know that schools sometimes like to, a you know, little 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 dating profile, like ah, you know, he's actually <laughs> he's a little bit a little bit taller actually, a little bit bigger. So I wonder if he's going to show up. He's a shade under 6'4", and maybe goes somewhere between like two thirty five, two forty. And if that's the case, it's fine. It doesn't mean he's a bad football player. But all of a sudden, those would both be bottom 10 percentiles for the position so it just has to go into how you are going to deploy him which also goes into the value of is this guy worth a top 10 pick or a number 15 overall pick or where it's going to where, where it ends up going to be because if if he shows up and his measurables are a little bit lighter yes pound for pound he's still strong you can get away with still playing him on the line of scrimmage but you are more playing him as a receiver you're using him as a wing back off the line of scrimmage mm-hmm. you're using him as, as a move piece you're, you're using him in the slot so As long as a team like Indianapolis would understand, hey, that's kind of how we would need to use him. Yes, I think the value's there. The production's there. Clearly, he's been fantastic after the catch, the contested catch situations, the emphasis in the offense, the wide receiver threat, the wide receiver usage. All that stuff is still there for him. But those are just the conversations that you have when you talk about Brock Bowers. I want to keep going down this
2: road with tight ends because I believe the last first-round pick tight end to get an extension from the team that drafted him was David Njoku who I I believe that's true because TJ Hawkinson was traded. They the Uh, schwa. I'm like terminally online, and I just saw like a list going around like football Twitter recently. Um, But what about players who are picked in the first round? So Mm -hmm. you usually have these like elite trait guys who are picked in the first round as tight ends that then they don't develop into what teams think they would be uh, using a first-round pick on them, like I, I guess, as somebody who studies the draft and players who coming out, who are coming out, why do those players? Why is the hit rate on those players lower than on guys who maybe are second, third,
1: fourth round picks? I think it's just because, you know, there's just so many ways to play the tight end position, right? Like I mentioned, all the ways that you could deploy a tight end, okay? Well, you could be more of an inline guy. You could be a wingback off the line of scrimmage. You could be a tight end too in a heavy set formation. You could Mm -hmm. be somebody who's more of like a fullback type of player, a backfield player. You could play more exclusively in the slot. You could play all the way as an X on the outside. So it's like there's so many different ways to use a tight end that I think— people look at them pre-draft and they go look at the possibilities, right? I think that that's where you get a lot of this hype for these players is you look at all the things uh-huh. they can do, but not just with tight ends, with defensive backs as well. I think mm-hmm. we have this conversation with like outside versus safety versus nickel guys, You know, even mm-hmm. wide receivers like inside out types of players. All, like The versatility is very alluring pre-draft. But when it comes to time to get on the field, training camp, mm-hmm. mini camp, regular season games, whatever it is, Coach's got to play him somewhere, and it's like right. you, you you can't be not not talented enough at a certain spot to warrant a starting position, and the coach just goes, ah, yeah, but he's versatile, so like right. it's great. You've got to hone in on one position. You've got to have a home base, and for Bowers, like going back to his conversation, you've got to know what his home base is, and I think his home base is probably more as just that receiving tight end, and again, mm-hmm. if you're okay with that, that's fine, but if you're a team that's like expecting him to be a... Full time on the line of scrimmage, heavy personnel, you know, like short yardage situations, like all that kinds of stuff, you might not be getting that value that you right. think is worth that second contract. And then you know there's other things that go into it that are outside of your control, like if there's coaching turnover. Well, okay, one coach who drafted him might have been more comfortable using their tight ends in more flexible situations. Another coach coming in might say, No, 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 we want we want our tight ends to be more streamlined and on the line of scrimmage. So that's also I think things that sometimes go into those lack of second contracts for the position but it really just comes down to that you know versatility is very alluring but you still got to be able to do a job really well at a certain position and I think that uh, the discrepancy with that sometimes is how you get to these situations where these tight ends aren't signed in long term
0: that's Trevor Sakema lead NFL draft analyst from pro football focus here with us on radio row with JJ Stankovic I'm Matt Taylor I'm gonna go big picture talk to me about the first round what's the discrepancy? Especially at the top, offense versus defense where's the the strength of this draft and, and which positions are going to have the most run on on that spot?
1: I think the difference between offense and defense, especially in the top fifteen is is wide like the gap is wide. We might have an entire top ten where every single player is an offensive player and and that's you know quarterbacks I think could very well start one, two three in the draft
0: is that just because of the players and the positions or because that is what we're seeing in terms of what wins in the playoff?
1: I think it's both I, and you know not to have a cop-out answer but I really do think mm-hmm. that that it is both I think we're in a year where I think a lot of people have had these conversations specifically let's look at wide receiver right Marvin Harrison Jr. is wide receiver one for a lot of people in this draft but you've also got Malik Nabors from LSU you got Romo Dunze from Washington and I think a lot of people have come out over the last month or so as they get to a lot of these guys tape and they say Holy cow! I, I would I would take neighbors or Odunze basically as wide receiver one in almost every draft class over the last ten years, and they just happen to be in a draft class with Marvin Harrison as more of an entrenched wide receiver one. So I think the fact that those three guys are sure. in this draft class speaks to they're all talented enough to go in the top ten, and I think they will go in the top ten. You got a real a lot of really nice offensive tackles in this class. I think Joe Alt's probably going to be the first one off the board from Notre Dame. Then you guys like got, got guys like Olufoshano from Penn State, Tilize Fuaga from from Oregon. Uh, state who I think could be top 10 picks as well and then of course talk to quarterbacks right I mentioned like quarterback could go one two three with Caleb Williams Drake May and Jane Daniels some order of that I think that we'll have some fun and some rumors will fly this week about what that order is going to be but all of a sudden you go all right, there's three quarterbacks there's three wide receivers I already named two offensive linemen all of a sudden we're at eight we're at eight of the top. We're at eight of the top ten. We haven't even talked about Brock Bowers yet, right? And <laughs> yeah. you, so you throw him in. He's an ultimate wild card. Yeah. And so I just think that you get into this situation where it's very realistic to think that eight or nine of the top ten are all going to be offensive players. And to your point, I think that's where the league is going. Those teams that are often picking in the top ten, they they're just they don't have the fireworks, right? They just don't have that offensive firepower. And where the league is going to that point, and so right. you're naturally going to have those teams gravitate towards those players that can really light up the scoreboard. And I think that's just kind of a, a culmination of where the league is right now and uh, how exciting the game is Now everybody wants to get in on that excitement. Is
2: part of that, too, kind of the the other side of it, that there isn't that elite pass rusher or elite corner? There isn't, like, a Miles Garrett or a Sauce Gardner, Derek Stingley, in this year's draft.
1: Yeah, I think that that's true, right? I like Dallas Turner. Mm-hmm. I like Jared Verse. Those are, I think, the top two edge rushers in the class. You could throw that Latu from UCLA in there as well. I like all those guys. I think they're top 20 players, mm-hmm. but I think it's much more likely that they go... 10 to 20 range rather than 1 to 9 or something like that. So I think there are guys to like, maybe not necessarily the guys that you absolutely loved. You've got to covet with those top five picks. I think the same thing can be said with corner. I like Cooper DeGene from Iowa a lot. Um, Queen Yon Mitchell's had an incredible offseason, especially the show that he put on in the Senior Bowl. Some guys that I mentioned, like the Alabama corners, the Terry Arnold, the Kool Aid McKinstry. I'll throw Nate Wiggins in there from Clemson as well. Again, a lot of good corners, but a lot of players who I think are going to populate you know picks 11 through twenty, rather than one through ten, and so it is a good defensive class at the top. And I don't want, you know, I don't want that to scare people too much. To like, oh, it's you know, if we take a defensive player in this class, it means like we're not taking the right side of the ball. I don't think that's true. I just think that uh, the team needs really line up for offense to go on a huge run right. in that top ten.
0: Trevor, last one from me. You know this league inside and out, so it's not just the draft. You know these teams. You know the free agency uh, classes for each respective team. Where are the Colts? How much urgency should the Colts have in terms of re-signing some of their key in-house free agents? And they got a lot of them, right? Gardner Minshew, Michael Pittman Jr., Kenny Moore II, Julian Blackman, Grover Stewart, Zach Moss might be in contention as well. And along with that, where are the Colts in terms of just the hierarchy of the AFC with all of those teams Having solidified quarterbacks, solidified roster, it's just a lot of parity inside that AFC conference.
1: Yeah, I think there's a, there was a lot more parity with the Jacksonville Jaguars this year than I thought. Than I think that some people believe was going to be the case. Um, I know the Houston Texans obviously took a massive leap in the right direction for their franchise. So you're talking about them now at the top, but I don't think the Colts are very far away. I really don't. I'm a University of Florida grad, and so I watched every single game that Anthony Richardson played when he was at the University of Florida, and I thought that it was going to take him a little bit of time. Mm-hmm. But even from the small sample size that we got last year. I loved the combination of what I saw between him and Steichen from last year. So much so that I really feel like you don't have to be in this situation where you go, yeah, you know, we're not exactly in a winning window yet. You know, we can let some of these, you know, good veteran guys go. We can reinvest more in the draft. I think they're certainly, as Ballard often does, going to – invest the meat and cheese or the backbone of their team through the draft because that's what you want to do to have a healthy roster but when it comes to signing Michael Pittman I hope he sticks around I would love for him to especially if they get the chance to draft another wide receiver sometime I don't know between rounds one and three you know you get another guy in there I love Josh Downs I thought Josh Downs was a steal from last year's draft and so you get to a point where you're bringing in uh if you bring back michael Pittman jr you've got josh downs you got alec pierce and you could add another uh, a vertical threat there as well so all of a sudden that receiving room looks looks really great you've got the run game the offensive line played better and you've got to do decent defense as well i think that that's still coming along you got some young guys in there who need to step up and you're going to have a handful more defensive players that you're adding i think certainly through the draft for them as well but they're not that far off like everybody's talking about jacksonville and houston i understand why you got to give them their credit but like I really do think a fully healthy year of Anthony Richardson and this system, they're going to make a lot of noise even as soon as next year, and I think that right. they their arrow is up. They're They're not necessarily in this rebuild sure. stage like I thought that they might be, I think that they showed a lot more, uh, a lot more heart, and a lot more of, of the direction that the arrow was kind of pointing up than I even thought they were going to show last year.
0: Play that optimism on loop. Let's go. Let's go. go. <laughs> Let's go. That that should be like the, the voicemail at the complex if you get put yeah, on hold. Right here, Trevor. Just Sichello, play that right part there. of the podcast. It's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Outstanding, man. How many combines is this for you? This is seven.
1: I think seven for is me. That right? Which is it's 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 a dream, man. It, it's truly a dream getting to cover the league in, in, in the faction that I do, getting to cover the draft. I mean, that's. I, I was a, I was a kid who played a lot of Madden growing up, and I cared a lot less about the games, and I just kind of simulated to the offseason, did the fantasy drafts, and now I kind of feel like I get to do it for, for a living. Which is there's cool. no simulator
2: yes. in Madden, though, for nursing light beers at Prime at 2 o'clock in the morning, though. So, got to get yeah. that part of the game in that's there. That's true. Yeah. That's a learned and thing. And also,
1: hype up
0: the pro football focus loft, right? You yeah. guys are all kind of, I mean, it's like you guys are in a, a big dorm or
1: something. Yeah, reality show's <laughs> coming soon. Uh, you See Real the world with you, pro footballers. Right, yeah, you can see the clips on TikTok, uh, and it'll be a lot of the you know light beer nursed. Uh, <laughs> 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 Dude, what, you got to make it through <laughs> the night somehow. <laughs> Stumbling in at 2 a.m., yelling yeah. about some sort of draft prospect. I mean, that's basically what you know, it is this week. Just so. banging
0: the table for some guy we've never heard of in the seventh round. I swear to God, he's yeah. going to make
1: a team. That's the content everybody wants. So maybe we <laughs> yeah. should have the cameras. Yeah, last rolling, year, so. if you had
2: it rolling, you'd have been like Marte Mop, who's a top 100 player. Let's go! <laughs> you are it's the man. That's
0: true. I
1: appreciate it, guys. You are the man. And you're Thank also you.
0: leading the combine in great hair too.
1: Oh, I appreciate you're a first it. First round
0: know. talent in terms of hair.
1: You know, uh, had to get up two hours early. You know, to make this sure <laughs> thing. I knew I was going to come on with you guys, so I had to make sure that I had uh, I had my best mop going. So I appreciate it, guys. You know your
0: stuff, man. That's uh, Trevor Shikima from Pro Football
3: Focus, man. Enjoy the rest of your time in Indy.
1: Of course, guys. You as well.
3: We are back here at the NFL Combine in Indianapolis. If you want to get smarter, if you want to be told, hey, look for this and look for that, <laughs> and then tell your friends, then take everything that Matt Miller gives you from ESPN <laughs> and call it as your own. You know me. I've been doing that for we years, know. Taylor. We are aware. Matt, I love it. Obviously, with the mock drafts and everything coming up, and you were dissecting this group of, of young men coming into the NFL. Everybody's talking about quarterbacks and wide receivers early. Yeah. I'm asking you right out of the gate. Who's the best defensive player in this draft? Ooh, and who's that's a, a Who's the first? Ball. First one to go. Yeah, so I'll take – oh, which Alabama player do I want to take?
4: Uh, Tyrion Arnold. I'll take Tyrion Arnold, the corner from Alabama, uh, over Dallas Turner, his teammate. I think Arnold is exactly what the NFL wants, at the corner position. To me, he's like a bigger Devin Witherspoon. He's so physical at the line of scrimmage. He's got speed to turn and run with guys. And, you know, yes, he only had – I think he had five picks the last – two years. That's not a lot. We have four this past year, and no one threw at him, so right, right. with the opportunities he had to make plays, he did it, and he's physical, he's fast, he's feisty. I don't know what more you can want on a corner.
3: Well, let's look for it. Hey, if you follow him online, this is the way to do it. It's real simple. It's at NFL Draft Scout, and that's Matt Miller. Uh, I'm, I'm staying defense. Matt, you can, Matt Taylor, you can stay on offense. The big fella from Texas, uh, the Byron. Uh, Byron the, Murphy. Byron Murphy. Yeah. I've read a lot about him. I've heard a lot about Byron Murphy and stuff. This is a guy that you also have going Going up there high, but can be a day one starter and and, a difference maker.
4: Yeah, I mean we're going to see him test exceptionally well here this week. I mean, if he ran a four seven five at three hundred ten pounds, I wouldn't be surprised. Really that quick, but then it's the raw strength. I mean. And the great thing is, this year with Texas, we got to see them play Alabama, which is pretty good up front. We got to see them play Washington, which won the Joe Moore Award. So you get to see Byron Murphy against NFL caliber offensive linemen, and he dominated everyone. So it's not in trouble on the stat sheet because they play a three-three-five front. So he's always head up on the tackle. But I mean, he's just disruptive, and when he's put in a gap, I think he's going to just take off. You know, it's going to be, my comparison for him was Justin Matabuke, who, Mm -hmm. you know, for the Baltimore Ravens, had a great all-pro type season. I think Murphy can be that same guy. Not the biggest guy, 6'1", 310 pounds, but the quickness and the strength are, are supernatural.
0: Matt, we've been talking to guys all week about, you know, Chris Ballard there towards the end of the season for the Colts said for next year, with Anthony Richardson getting back, Jonathan Taylor coming back healthy, uh, we need to be more explosive on offense. We know about the top guys uh, at wide receiver at the beginning of the draft, yeah. like the Harrisons and, and the neighbors, but who are some guys that might be available at the wide receiver position in the middle of the draft that could be options for the Colts? Yeah, middle
4: of the first round yeah. or uh, Okay, Brian Thomas Jr. Uh, yep. from LSU. It's like we are all rightly in love with Malik Neighbors. The guy across from him actually led the nation in touchdowns with 17, and he's six foot four. He's a vertical stretch weapon. He's great in the red zone. You know, some of Jaden Daniels' the quarterback success is because you have a Brian Thomas out there where you're like, you know what, all us fails, I got, I have him. And so yeah, explosive, but also someone that can stretch the field. Michael Pittman Jr. One of my favorite players, um, you know, allow him to do more of that A.J. Brown dirty work underneath mm-hmm. and have somebody that can stretch the field with Josh Downs in there as well. Do you think if the Colts
0: bring back Michael Pittman Jr., they're still in line to add somebody in this in the top end of the draft, yeah, first, second, you, third round at, at receiver?
4: I would. I, I really would. I think you look at Cincinnati and the success that they've had with three great wide receivers. Look at what the Niners just did, you know, sure. with, with Brock Purdy having three great options, one at the tight end position, and you're able to be a point guard back there. And obviously, Anthony's game is very different than that. But I I think you look in the NFL, when young quarterbacks struggle, it's because they don't have those weapons, especially early on. And eventually, you can get to the Pat Mahomes level where you don't need a 1,000-yard receiver anymore, but early on it's great to have you know a, a little bit of a support system no so we, even if it's not in the first round it is a deep enough wide receiver class that around two round three you can get someone that can crack that you know top three wide
3: receiver room matt miller from espn right there depth depth value that whole thing with with, with comes on drafts What what is the most depth position in this draft and Where I'm saying is like quarterback wise, talking, we know the five, six names that are up there at the top. Yeah. In your eyes, the third, the fourth, the fifth round picks. And we've seen these guys become successful here and there throughout their career. Yeah. Are there those quarterbacks available this year? Yeah, I think Spencer Rattler from South Carolina. Where
4: does he go? uh, Third round. So right in that range you're talking about. You know, he, he had a better career in South Carolina than I think a lot of people expected or realized or want to give credit to because at Oklahoma, geniuses like myself said he's going to be a first round pick obviously he gets benched for caleb williams in the texas game that whole world changes (laughs) but at south carolina he had a nice rebound to his career and i do think now good senior bowl week he's toolsy he's gonna he's gonna fit in that third round i think somebody else buy into him as a quote-unquote developmental type starter but to your first question it's a deep wide receiver class, and I feel like we say that every year. People get tired of hearing it, but it's true. It's you know, it's fifteen deep a wide receiver. Guys who can be playmakers.
3: Day one starter uh, round four.
4: In round four, day one starter. I'm asking. I'm Let's just I'm just a fan asking. Yeah, in round four at wide receiver. Yeah. I wasn't ready for round four. I'm trying to think. <laughs> How about I, want to, I also don't want to disrespect anyone. <laughs> yeah. so, okay, third, third round. There's no, a one starters in yeah, that wide receiver no, group. Ricky Pearsall from Florida, mm-hmm. Javon Baker from Central Florida. Uh, both can be impact players. I don't want to say they might be round three, round four. Sure. We'll see where the run happens. If eight go in the first round, those guys become late like second round picks gotcha. pretty quickly. So, But it is it is such a deep class that Xavier Leggett from South Carolina, the guy Spencer Routler was thrown to, yeah. probably going to be a third round pick. He can be a starter in the
0: NFL. What's the best case scenario for the Colts? Is it, is it a run on offensive players pushing back some of the premium defensive spots like corner or edge, or is it let's go after some of these wide receivers? Yeah. Maybe let's go after a Brock Bowers to really complement in a sophomore year uh, Anthony Richardson. We
4: all know how much Chris Ballard loves uh, us in the media. So if I were him, I would say <laughs> uh, I would be telling every Adam Schefter and Ian Rappaport that there is. Five quarterbacks in this draft should go pretty early, right? Mm -hmm. You guys want five quarterbacks to come off the board in the top 14. That's going to push a Brian Thomas to you. It's going to push a Dallas Turner to you. So I think that's what you're hoping for is a run at quarterback. Um, And then, you know, I mean, the other, like, premium positions, you can make an argument for the Colts to draft every one of them, whether it's wide receiver pass rusher yeah. corner a defensive you know, tackle defensive tackle yeah maybe even you know even offensive tackle is something that i don't think you completely can say no no we're great there we're great at offensive tackle let's not worry about it so, right, right. so it's
3: a good draft to be at 15. hey man last year anthony richardson coming out we had another you know head scratching who's going to go one between you know bryce and cj's up there and anthony where did you have anthony richardson in the small sample size you saw this year yeah. of his nfl plays it fit along right side by side
4: yeah i had him. he was my third quarterback i had bryce and DJ tied and then I had Anthony he was a top 10 player for me uh yeah the small sample size I mean early he came out the gate and you were like dang this is this is nice this is different I think you know the key is he's got to protect himself you know and that's the thing you love in his game is also the thing that you worry about a little bit the athleticism the running ability you know I think first you know first four weeks you're thinking this is the rookie of the year like he's, he's you know it's like Cam Newton all over again so it's just learning how to protect himself is the key but you know, early all the returns look great, and I can't I can't wait to see him and Jonathan Taylor yeah. in, in the backfield. together. you know, <laughs> no
0: question about it. You're preaching the choir on that one. As it relates to the Colts, Matt, final one for me. I know you got to run, but how much is it concerning that you're not seeing the quarterbacks throw? Hell, you're not yeah. even seeing some of the wide receivers show up. The coaches aren't coming. Does that frustrate you as a guy that, you know, really buys into all the different puzzles of the draft process?
4: Not really. Uh, and if I worked for a team instead of for ESPN, I would love the fact that these coaches don't come here. Like, please give me – like, I want every opportunity to, to see these players, you know, to, to watch them work out, to get to know them as people, mm-hmm. to see how they interact with their – You know, not just with the the other wide receivers or quarterbacks. I want to see how you interact with the guys on the field. How do you hand, you know, how do you treat the support staff? You know, I want to see that. It's between
0: reps. Right. So, like, this
4: idea of, like, you know, Kyle Shanahan doesn't need to come to combine. Like, what? Why not? You know? So, to me, like, I'm not a, that screams more arrogant to me than Marvin Harrison Jr. saying, you guys are, you saw my dad, right? He was (laughs) pretty good. I'm a bigger, (laughs) faster version of him. So, you know, and I think the message that, that Marvin Harrison Jr. said of, I'm I'm training to be a football player. I'm trying to get ready for week one of my NFL season, not running in a straight line for 40 yards. So, you know, if the wide receivers don't want to run, that's cool. I can get your GPS number. I've watched you on tape. The quarterbacks, I think, is a little different. It's important to watch those guys throw in person. Think of what Anthony did here last year or what C.J. Stroud did here last year. They solidified or even improved their stock. So, you know, I, I think there's some missed opportunities, especially for Jaden Daniels and Drake May, who yeah. are not going first overall, to have said okay well you know the, the supposed the top guy doesn't want to do it I will
3: and I'll, and I'll show my stuff sure and good for them yeah Matt Miller from ESPN right there uh, crazy draft what is it what do you do on when when the, when the NFL draft comes around what is your I know what you do obviously yeah. you're covering this thing but what's the insides of you like and the reason I'm saying is you pour so much into this for much of the year and you're seeing people go off the draft board sometimes where you predict them sometimes where you're not yeah. what's that what's that night like for you watching
4: the draft uh, oh, it's, it's chaos you know there's so much going on but it's also it's it's it happens so fast and it People are like, what, the draft's like mm-hmm. six hours long? But it it really does. It happens so fast, you know, that you're you're caught up thinking about like, okay, you know, this player, Anthony Richardson goes to the Colts. What do I think about the fit with the coaching staff? What do I think about the culture of the team, the weapons that he's gonna have around him? So, you know, you get ten minutes to kind of live in that moment yeah. and be excited about the pick and, and also to self scout a little bit and say, like, okay, well, you know, I didn't have that in my mock draft, but it makes sense and here's why. And then you're you're on to the next and yep. then When it's all over, you get really depressed because it's over. You've got to wait
3: a year to do it again. And a big vacation in May for you, I
4: hope.
0: Uh, That's what that
3: is. Matt Miller from ESPN, best in the business. Follow him on Twitter, X, at NFL Draft Scout. Matt, thanks for the time. Thanks so much, guys.